Our reading is taken from Titus chapter 2, reading verses 11 to 15. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brilliant. Thank you, Adam. <clears throat> so this morning, oh dear, I really hope I'm going to be able to hold it together. I've been quite emotional this morning. I don't know about you, but uh, singing some of the, the, the words this morning from those songs, uh, they were really powerful, kind of really hit me. Uh, and I guess that having been thinking and pre- trying to prepare for this sermon today on this uh, sense of being uh, Christ being our ransom, uh, it's really struck me again at his, uh, his sacrifice on the cross and dwelling on that and thinking about that. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite tough. <laughs> so I'm feeling quite emotional. So do, do pray for me that I manage to hold it together long enough to be able to preach this sermon. Uh, shall we pray now? Lord Jesus, would you come now and speak through the words that I've prepared? Would you help us to see something new of, of your sacrifice on the cross for us? Would you stir up our hearts that we might respond to you, your, your love, your sacrifice for each of us here this morning? Amen. My sister, uh, when we were small kids, had a, a, a little doll, I don't know if some of you might remember this, called Amanda Jane. She was a little tiny doll like this, and uh, my sister had loads and loads of clothes. She would kind of dress Amanda Jane up in these clothes, uh, and this was uh, like her pride and joy, uh, and she loved this little doll. Uh, now, <clears throat> it probably won't surprise many of you to know that I was quite mischievous uh, as, a, as a young child. Uh, and what I loved more than anything was to nip into her room when she wasn't there uh, and nick her little doll, Amanda Jane, uh, and take her, abduct her and take her away and hide her. Uh, and then I would force my sister to pay a ransom in order to get the baby doll back. And, and, the, pro- uh, and the, the ransom fee was a gobstopper from the local sweet shop. And it was one of those gobstoppers that were enormous. You know, you put it in your mouth, and I'd probably have it there for a week at least. <clears throat> so I used to hold my, daughter, uh, my sister's uh, doll to ransom. 
I wonder if some of you know the story of Richard I. In 1193, uh, Richard I, also known as Richard the Lionheart, was returning from leading uh, a crusade out in the Holy Lands. And as he returned back through Europe, Leopold V captured him in Austria. And the Holy Roman Emperor demanded a ransom for Richard's release. The price was 150,000 marks, and that's the equivalent of three tons of silver. So it was quite an enormous price to pay. But the people of England so loved Richard I that they submitted to extra taxation. Nobles handed over their wealth in order to pay the release to restore Richard I back to be, uh, take his rightful place on the throne. After many months, the money was finally raised and King Richard returned to, in- to England. And it's where we get the expression, a king's ransom. And so today, as we continue our journey towards Easter, and in the run-up to Easter, we're going to be thinking about the cross. What did Jesus' death on the cross achieve for us? And we're going to be particularly following those four themes from Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, which we will be singing at the end of the service. Ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. And so today's theme is ransomed. In 1 Timothy 2.6, it says, Jesus gave himself as a ransom. A ransom is a, a price paid to purchase someone else's freedom. And ransom and redeemed come from the same word cluster and so have a very similar meaning. When you look at the history of the word redeemed, the idea of redemption goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, it says this. So bearing in mind that uh, just before this, what's taken place is the people of Israel have been captured by Pharaoh. Uh, And Moses keeps going to Pharaoh and saying, let the people go. And And he doesn't. And remember, there were ten plagues. And then God speaks uh, to Moses and he says, this is what you're to tell the people of Israel. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment. That's what God tells Moses to tell the people of Israel who are enslaved to King Pharaoh. We were singing just now about uh, Jesus, uh, God's outstretched hand in, in redeeming and saving us. And that is where it links back to, is that bit in uh, Exodus chapter 6. So this theme of redemption, ransom, uh, goes all the way back to the book of Exodus for the people of Israel. It's a theme that the people of Israel have been fixated on and in throughout their story throughout the Bible. And so this word redeemed was a term that was used in the slave markets. When someone would buy a slave 
out of the slave market. The word that was used for the transaction was their redemption or their ransom was paid in order that they belonged to you. So when Jesus thinks about us, he uses this phrase for us because we were slaves. And what were we slaves to? Paul makes it clear that we were slaves to ungodliness and worldly possessions. That was what it says in Titus 2 verse 13. We're slaves to ungodliness and worldly passions. The lusts of the world. We are slaves to sin. Our sinful nature causes us to sin all the time because we are slaves to it. But what we're reading and seeing and understanding here in Titus is that Jesus brought, bought us out of slavery. He paid the price so that we would no longer be slaves to ungodliness and worldly passions. We would no longer be sins to our, uh, slaves to our sinful nature and to act in a sinful way. This word redemption is more than just simply what you've been saved from because you were purchased from something but you were also purchased for something. So we have been set free from slavery to sin and we, what have we been saved for? What have we been redeemed for? What have we been ransomed for? Well, at the end of that verse 13 in Titus 2 it says... We were slaved from ungodliness, from worldly passions, and we were saved for himself to be his people and his possession. We're, slave, we're, we're saved from slavery to sin. We're saved for God and for his possession to be his children. <clears throat> to many of us, this term, a king's ransom, could better be applied to the tremendous price that Jesus, the King of Kings, paid on the cross for our sins. This King wasn't being ransomed, but he was the ransom. The most expensive ransom in the history of mankind. Let me remind you again of that reading from Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem or to ransom us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own and eager to do what is good. So this epistle to Titus was written by Paul to encourage him who he had left on the island of Crete to uh, lead a church that Paul had planted on one of his earlier missionary journeys. And the letter is advising Titus regarding what kind of qualifications you need to look out for for someone who's potentially going to be a, a leader in the church. But he also warns Titus of the reputation 
of those people currently living on the island of Crete. And the letter was, if you like, Paul's training manual for Titus in Christian leadership development. It was how to train men and women of all ages for Christian leadership. And the key controlling theological principle of perhaps the whole book is found in these few verses. Look at it carefully. What is Paul saying? That it is grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and shows us how instead to live godly lives. Grace teaches us to say no to what is ungodly. And it teaches us how to live godly lives. And what is this grace? Well, really, very simply, it's that Jesus gave himself for us on the cross to ransom us, to redeem us, to save us, to win us back to God as a people that were eager to do what is good. We have been saved from the power of sin in order that we can live lives that please God, that we're eager to do what is uh, godly. This is true grace, that God has saved us to be his people. He has redeemed us from wickedness and the power of sin, and he's purified us in order that we might live lives that please God. Grace does this. Grace enables us to live for Jesus. So what does that mean in practice? Well, I think that what it means is that if you're struggling with some kind of sinful habit or a pattern in your life that you know is not pleasing to God, it's not a godly behaviour, it's not the kind of thing that God would approve of or would like, you need, as perhaps has been frequently said, to preach to yourself the gospel every day. What do I mean by that? Well, very simply, I mean by that to remind yourself that you are a saved person, that you have been ransomed and that you have been redeemed and you have been freed, that someone has paid a price in order that you might be free. You are saved from sin in order to be able to live a godly and God-pleasing life. You have been ransomed, you have been redeemed, you have been saved, you have been freed, you have been set free in order that you can live a life that is pleasing to God. And how did that happen? Because Jesus was the ransom. He paid the price to set you free so that you could live a life that would please God. Previously, you could not please Christ because you were enslaved to sin and you had no freedom. You had to live a sinful life. But Christ paid the price of your sin on the cross. He took your place. He paid the price for your sin, your junk, your rubbish, in order that you could be freed from living in a sinful way, in order that you might live a life that pleases Christ. You are a new creation. 
The old sinful life, the old sinful way has gone. You are no longer a slave to sin because Christ died on the cross in order that you could be free to live a life that pleases God. But we're in a battle, a daily battle against sin. Sin no longer has a hold over us because we've been set free and we're no longer slaves to sin. But we are in a battle against sin on a daily basis in order that we can live a life that pleases God. Let me uh, try and demonstrate this to you. I was trying to... Ian, would you come up and help me? I couldn't think... Ian, could you come up? thought I could uh, rely on you. you. You come and sit on this uh, chair here. I'm not going to ask you anything. I, I wanted to demonstrate what this slavery to sin looks like. Can you go anywhere, Ian? Don't do yourself an injury. <laughs> you are... Don't go forward backwards. You, you are enslaved. You can't move. You're held captive. And that is essentially what happens to each one of us before we allow the power of Christ into our lives. We are enslaved to sin. We are held captive. It's not possible to live in any other way. We are subject to the worldly desires and passions, the lusts of this world. We are enslaved by them. But Christ, when he died on the cross, (laughs) I don't want to cut anything of any value. (laughs) Oh dear. On the cross, Christ paid the ransom. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> hey, give him a round of applause. So we've been set free. We no longer are slaves to our sinful nature and our sinful behaviour. We're free to live in a way that pleases God. And so when we're trapped by some kind of sinful habit or behaviour that might appear to have a hold on us, I want to encourage you, remind yourselves that you are people who have been ransomed and redeemed. You're 
The price for your sin has been paid. You have been set free. You are no longer a slave to sin. The guilt has been lifted. You are now a new creation and you're free to live in a life and in a way that pleases God. In Jesus' death, the ransom price was paid and that you are all now free. So the verse, in verse 14 it says, what are the for us that it refers to in verse 14, ransomed from? And in John 8 it says, Jesus described us as enslaved to sin. Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. That's what Jesus himself said in John 8. He did not see us as occasionally sinning, but under the power of sin, enslaved to sin. And because of Christ's death on the cross, we have been ransomed. We have had our, the price paid. We are now set free. Jesus rescues us from the power of sin and the consequences of sin. Remember, in it, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. Death and eternal separation from God. That is what the consequence of being enslaved to sin is all about. But Christ died on the cross, paid the price for our sin, took our place in order that we could be set free and live in a new way, in a way that pleases God. So just a few verses to remind us of something of this truth. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are justified by his blood. We are reconciled to God by the, by the death of his son. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. Christ died once for all, the just for the unjust. That's the heart of our Christian message that Christ paid the price on the cross. And so the bottom line of this sermon is that very simply, grace has a face. The grace of God is more than simply God's unmerited favour towards us. The grace of God is an action, not some kind of abstract idea or theological principle. The grace of God is a person and not a concept. It makes it clear in Titus 2. Grace is an actual event in space and time. Grace has a face and his name is Jesus. His scarred, bloody body dying in agony on the cross is the reason that you and I go free. A face of the person that suffered in your place, paying the price for your sin. Grace isn't cheap, it comes at a huge cost. And sometimes we're in danger of trying to cheapen grace, I think. D. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about this uh, a lot, where he talked about the idea of cheap grace. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, I think that very simply he's saying that cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness, but without repentance. It's about accessing communion and the presence of God without repentance. It's acknowledging that we're, uh, we've been forgiven, we've been set free, but without personal confession. It's about being baptised into God's family without re- uh, accepting his discipline when we step out of line. And I think that the Western church has been in danger of cheapening God's grace. We're in danger of saying, all are welcome. Come as you are. The coffee's on us. Sit back and relax. And don't worry about changing. We couldn't ask you to do that. We don't want to offend you. We don't want to exclude you. But the grace of God that we see revealed in the Gospels and the grace of God that Paul talks about and expounds is this. All are welcome. Come as you are and be prepared and willing for God to change you. Because when you recognise the cost of grace, you recognise that it's a debt that you cannot pay. And somehow you are therefore compelled to change out of gratitude and recognition for who Christ is and the price that he paid for you. That will require you dying to yourself, taking up your cross and following Christ. Be prepared to sacrifice parts of your lifestyle, parts of who you are, the way you've done things. Be willing for God to change you in order that you live a life that is pleasing to God because you recognise the cost that he paid on the cross to set you free from the sinful nature that all of us have within us. People, let me encourage you to dwell on the cross, to understand something more of Christ's sacrifice and the pain and the price that he was willing to pay for you as an individual. Grace does, has a, does have a faith, face. He has paid the price for your sin. And the question is, how will you respond? I don't know where you all are individually, what you might be wrestling with. Those that have maybe made a decision are following Christ. Others that have been unsure. Some of you may be struggling with some kind of uh, behaviour or habit that feels like it's got a hold on you that you want to be set free from. My reminder to you is, look at the cross. You have been set free. Remind yourselves that you have been bought at a great price. Take hold of the freedom that Christ has already won for you. Let's just be still for a moment or two, and I just simply invite you, let God speak into your heart 
about what it is that he's wanting to say to you this morning. How he's maybe wanting to challenge you gently or encourage you or what he's wanting you to believe in or take hold of. So let's just be still for a moment or two. Heavenly Father, as we look to the cross, we, we dwell on your willingness to take our place and pay the price for our sin. Would you help us to see and understand something of the agony and pain that you went through and therefore the depth of the love that you have for each of us here this morning? Would you show us how you want us to respond to your grace, your redemption of each one of us here this morning? Fill our hearts with gratitude, we pray. Empower us to live a life that pleases you. Amen going to invite the band to come up and uh, lead us in our next song. Uh, just if any of you have been struck or stirred up by anything, then uh, do come and have a, a word with me. I'm just going to be at the back during this song, and if you'd like me to pray with you, then uh, very, uh, I will be willing to do that. So I'll be at the back. <laughs>